everyone, welcome to this episode of the Awaken Me podcast. This one's going to be a little different. I recently spoke a message to our youth group and talked about this idea of why follow Jesus. And so in that message, there's a part of it, but there was a lot of other content there that I thought was interesting for us to explore and dialogue. And so here is that idea. If you've already seen the message, you can jump in at 945, which is where this talk kind of continues on. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. How's your week been? I imagine it might look something like this, where you've been staring at a computer on Zoom all day, trying to figure out what your teacher wants you to do. One student I know, they said they had two and a half hours worth of Zoom classes back to back with no break in the middle. Oh my goodness, I don't even know if I could do that. Uh, it might be a little bit of a struggle for you. Or you might not have quite started school yet and you might still be in the loop trying to figure out what's gonna be happening, but. Either way, uh, you might have been staring at a screen for a long time, and here you are, staring at a screen yet again. Well, I don't know why. But as long as you're here, let's talk about a few things. You know, I was thinking about this concept, and uh, someone asked me a question. It was a Jesus-related question, and this is church, so why not talk about Jesus a bit? And the Jesus question was, why do you follow Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? You have your parents and your leaders and, and all these different people around you that, that may or may not follow Jesus, and, and all of them may have answers, but when it comes to your answer, what would you say? Now, you may not be a follower of Jesus, in which case, well, well I think this is a great place to start. Because if you do believe, then great, we should have an answer to that question. If you don't believe, well, then why? Is there a roadblock? Is there a question as to what's been keeping you from trusting in Jesus? And, and when we start doing that, what does all of that mean? Now, when I, when I come to answer that question myself, why do I follow Jesus? First of all, I'm a really logical guy. I don't know if you're like that. Some people tend to be more logical. Some people tend to be more emotional, but... Uh, logic tends to win for me, and I think through things. And logically, it just makes sense that there is a creator of the universe. For something to come out of nothing just doesn't quite make sense to me. So you might say, well, the Big Bang or all these different things. And I'm like, okay, well, well, what created those things? What started them? So logically, it makes sense that all of this comes from something, or more specifically from someone, as opposed to us just magically appearing. I, I feel like that takes a lot more faith to believe in. And so if, if we do come from something, if something created us, well, that might be worth a little bit of time to, to think about. So at that point, it, the question is, well, if something or someone did create us, can we know that? Is, that? is that a person or being that we can have a relationship with? And I think that's where the core of theology comes in, which is, can you know this entity that's all-powerful, all-knowing, outside of time and space. I'll define that as God. Can we know God? And when I think logically about all these different religions, there's so much about how you have to work to appease whatever God. And yet in Christianity, there's something drastically different. And we see in Genesis, God working for humanity. And we see that it's not out of something that I can do. I can't earn salvation. I can't earn enough to be in God's good graces. But it's all about what Jesus has done and extending me an opportunity to, to just not reject him. And so when I think through logically that we came from something, we didn't just magically exist. And when I look at all the different religions, Christianity just makes the most sense to me. That begins to form my answer to why do I follow Jesus? 
Well, yes, it makes sense to me logically. Yes, it makes sense to me theologically in terms of Jesus being the only truth. But, but that, that's in my head. Then it goes down to my heart. Because when I'm, I'm encountering emotional pain, remember, I have a lizard. I had lots of lizards growing up. You may have a pet. My first lizard died. That's traumatic for a seven-year-old. Your lizard dies. And yet, my mom taught me how to pray in that. And as I got older and had more emotional pain, I felt like God was there too. And so God's there with me in the logic, but he's also there in my heart with the emotions. And I've also seen how God's been my healer. And I've seen this for many other people where you see God healing people and, and taking them out of their disease. And we see God as our healer. And that's another reason why people follow Jesus. I also remember there being times where I felt like I was at the end of my rope. And it was like, my logic can't go anymore. Like, I'm so stressed out. And I remember a time in college when I had no idea how I was going to get through finals and everything. And you might feel that way now trying to figure out how am I going to get through this year when sports don't exist and COVID and I'm doing Zoom for 17 hours a day. And yet even at the end of my rope, God was there. Why do I follow Jesus? He's the creator of the universe. But he's not just the creator of the universe. He's the creator of the universe who wants to be involved in my life. And if that's the case, why would I not respond in worship? Why would I not respond to give him everything? Because it seems to me that life goes a whole lot better. So when you answer that question, you might have an experience. You might not have an experience. You might be trying to figure out why should you follow Jesus. But until you're able to answer that question, it's going to be hard to make your faith your own. And as I make my faith my own and try to answer that question of why I follow Jesus, there's one verse in particular that really, really has shaped me once I read it. In fact, the first time I read it, it kind of blew my mind and I fell off my chair and I was like, is that in the Bible? It's, it's Philippians 1, 27. It says, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. <laughs> Let's try that again. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul is going so hard here. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. And when I think of that, it's like, oh my gosh. Well, if God is the creator of the universe and he created me and he put me on this earth for such a time as this, like he decided that it was worth me being in existence today, you being in existence today. If that's the case and that's the reality, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel like, if that was an ever an invitation to rise up and say, it's time to be who you were created to be, like, let's go and do it. Okay, I'm motivated. Great. Do or do not. There is no try. Let's do it. But this whole idea of worthy of the gospel, to really unpack, like, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And that, that good news is that love wins. That when we see in Genesis, Adam and Eve, like, Love doesn't win. Like, there's sin. There's separation from God. There's death. And death was the worst thing for us because we in our brokenness are now separated. And Jesus comes and corrects that mistake. He paid to fix it. The good news is that this correction that Jesus brings gives you and me life. That's pretty incredible to me. It gives me life. 
And the reason it gives me life is because he gave his life. And the reason he needed to give his life is because I am so broken. And that's a hard reality to face, to acknowledge our own brokenness. But I feel as we go through life, God brings mirrors into our story to help show us without him who we really are. Uh, God's currently using a mirror through my dog to show me who I really am. In that, hey, you know, I've committed my life to Jesus, I'm following him, but there are times when my little dog will do things that just drive me crazy. Even last night, it was 1 a.m., and she woke me up, and I was just trying to get her to go outside to go to the bathroom, and she grabbed something of mine, was running around the house, and I was like, and she looked at me as I was like having my fit of rage getting ready to unleash, and she had the saddest look on her face like, like she was scared of me and there was this monster and it melted my heart because I'm like, who am I? Who is in these clothes that would just like have this rage, this frustration over her running around with my sock in her mouth? Like, and I felt like I'm back to the point where God reminds me he is love and I need more of him. And this gospel allows that, this gospel takes my brokenness and it makes it whole. This gospel of live my life in a manner worthy of what Jesus has done. But if there's one question, if I'm being totally honest, if there's one question that I have wrestled with time and and time again is great. Say there is a God of the universe. Say he created all this. Say that all of that is true. One of the most difficult questions I find people have to answer is, well, then if God, if God did do all this, why is there so much brokenness in the world? Most specifically, how could I serve a God like that? If you look out in the world and see the injustices, you see the pain, you see the suffering, why would God allow that? Why would God just say, hey, you know what? I'm trying to help them too. I'm letting them go through this stuff so that they can learn a lesson. Sometimes people teach that. One of my other friends used to say, why does God get credit for all the good things, but he doesn't get blamed for all the bad things? If he is really indeed in control, shouldn't he get credit and blame for both? Some great questions. And when it comes to why do you follow Jesus, that may be one that you need to answer. For me, when I, when I take a look at that, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of an encounter Jesus had. This encounter, Jesus was walking down the street and there was a guy who was blind who started calling out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, Jesus, master, master. It's in Mark chapter 10. He's kind of causing a ruckus and the disciples are like, no, stop causing a ruckus. And Jesus says, call him, call him. And so they called the blind man and they said, this is verse 49, hey, have courage, get up, he's calling to you. And so the guy threw off his cloak, threw his clothes, and he's running over to Jesus. And here's the sentence that Jesus says that blows my mind. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, there's another bomb that's dropped. Jesus, like the God of the universe, asking a dude, what do you want me to do for you? How would I respond to that if Jesus was sitting here right across and he said, Scott, what do you want me to do for you? What, what would you do if Jesus asked you that? What answers or questions rather do you have deep in your heart where you're trying to figure out like, why does God allow pain and suffering or why did God take my mom away or my, why are my parents divorced or why did my 
my parent die or why is COVID happening or why I, I, I don't know, but, but what do you want me to do for you is, is this blank check question that he asks. And the man says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Okay, I know I'm being a little extra here, but let me recover my sight. There's so much in that because he's blind, he literally can't see. But there's also this idea that he can't see physically, but he's also blinded spiritually. And I wonder as Jesus gets prepared to respond, which he was more concerned with healing, the guy's physical sight or the guy's spiritual sight? Because I feel like so often we, we negate our spiritual selves and the fact that, that God is spirit and while we are physical, so much of us is spiritual. And we can sense that and experience that and we feel that. And I think people these days are very aware of, of spirituality. But he says, let me recover my sight. And Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And as I analyze this idea of what Jesus said, I think there's some answers in there for us today. Go your way, your faith has made you well. Faith sometimes is a hard word for us to digest because it's a little churchy. Uh, Another way of saying that is trust. Go your way, your trust in me has made you well. And then I thought that was interesting of like, your trust in me has made you well. Like this, this idea made you well, what does that mean? So I started looking it up because, well, that's what I get to do and then tell you about it. And here's what I discovered, something that I had never seen before until I was reading this again. This idea made you well is this one fancy word in Greek, but it actually can translate to mean other things. And so we see it used other time in this text. So other ways of saying and translating this word is to be delivered or to be protected from, or to be made whole, or to save. Go your way. Your trust in me has saved you. Your trust in me has saved you. Why do you follow Jesus? Perhaps... Perhaps sometimes more than others, I'm aware of how much I need saving. And I follow Jesus and I trust in him because I believe that he's saving me from so much. And my trust in Jesus has saved me. And this idea of saved has this idea of making me whole. And when you begin to unpack that and let that all go through... Your trust has saved you. I'm, I'm thinking of Ephesians 6, where we just ended this series, where it says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against, to paraphrase, like the spiritual forces of evil. Like there, there are forces other than Jesus that are trying to destroy me. My trust in Jesus has saved me from those. And, and then there's this guy, Isaiah. He's part of the Old Testament. Uh, God talks to him and says, he says, no weapon formed against you will prevail. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. In other words, me following Jesus, no weapon formed against me will prevail. And what I feel God is saying to me in this context is, you don't, we don't follow a God who's unable to save. We follow a God who sees beyond here and now into eternity. And then I see at the end of the Bible in Revelation 2.14, it says he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death, no more crying. And so when I come back to the question of why would God allow such suffering and pain, what I'm seeing is 
there's a whole spiritual reality. There's so much more that God is saving us from beyond this life. And, and when he looks at this guy and says, what do you want me to do for you? And the guy says, I want to see. Well, I think Jesus healed his literal sight. I think the bigger healing was his spiritual sight and to see who Jesus was. Have you had a spiritual awakening where you see Jesus not as just a man, not as just a guy in a book that we talk about, but as the one you can trust to save your whole self? For me, I grew up in a Christian church and a home, but that really transformed. I was on a missions trip. We were going to Mexico, and we were actually in Mexico, and, and we're serving and helping community. And so, like, I knew of Jesus, I trusted Jesus, but there was a flipping point. I remember one night in particular, we were out at a bonfire after we had worked all day digging concrete holes, and it was crazy, and everyone was sweating, and we couldn't take showers, and we were out in the middle of nowhere. And, and there's a bonfire happening, a guy playing guitar, and we just started singing, praying, and worshiping. And I remember God became so real to me that night. It was almost like he was sitting right next to me. And there was my logic and what I knew about who Jesus was. And yeah, he's the creator and this makes sense to me logically and I should follow him because logically Christianity makes sense that it's the truth. But it was very different when it went from that into this heart where I experienced God at a level to where I want to see more than with my eyes. I want to see with my soul. Like, I want to know you, Jesus. And so I'm there. And I just started praying. And I felt like God was just with me. And I remember an adult leader was with there and he was praying with me. And what seemed like three minutes for me in this prayer time, it was highly, highly awakening what the Spirit was doing. And reality was three hours long. This guy, Mario, prayed with me for three hours into the wee hours of that night while God did a work in my heart, helping me to see who he was. And I remember after that trip, it wasn't just a, oh, hey, Scott, like I'm going to do my life. But it was like, God, you are my life. What you want me to do, you have me on this earth. And when it comes to live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel, well, that's what I want to do. I don't care if that results in money or fame or not or anything because what gives me the most life is not any of those things that society often tries to pursue for happiness. What gives me life is being seen by Jesus. And then subsequently having him transform me so that I can see what he sees. When Jesus saves us, he delivers us from our, our afflictions or our diseases or, or things that threaten us. But it could also mean deliverance, rather, not it can't, it does also mean a deliverance from the consequences of sin and separation. Jesus gives us life. So if Jesus was to stand in front of you right now and ask, what do you want me to do for you? How would you respond? How would you engage with that question? This guy that Jesus talked to, he saw more with his eyes that day. He saw with his spirit. He saw hope. He saw salvation. And perhaps that leads us to a point of coming back to that original question to say, why do you follow Jesus? 
why do you follow Jesus? Do you follow him because your youth pastor says so, because your parents do and it's their faith, or because it's convenient and you haven't really thought about it much else? But what I propose is, well, if there is a heaven and there is a hell and all of life leads to that destination, and if there's a God of the universe and if he does really want to get to know us, perhaps it's worth spending a little bit of time thinking about that question of why follow Jesus. And the amazing thing is I, I told you a little bit of my story here and why I follow Jesus. But you'll have your story. In fact, we all have stories. And I think one of the most powerful things we can do is to not try to convince people of our opinions per se, but rather to tell our stories. Because the most impactful moments of my time weren't when I had some logical reckoning, but it's when Jesus interrupted my story and said, what do you want me to do for you? Take a listen to a guy who was interrupted by Jesus. He was living his life pursuing happiness, and Jesus interrupted and basically in his own way said, what do you want me to do for you? And you see how his story is transformed, and he was able to understand the depths of this question of why he follows Jesus. And so he tells his story of why he follows Jesus, and as he does that, I want to invite you to consider, why do you follow Jesus? Well, thanks for joining us this week as you navigate Zoom calls and class and, and everything you have to do. Perhaps this question, why do you follow Jesus, can get into your skin a little bit. Think about that for a few minutes and see what adventure God takes you on.